you know, as we say in probably all the performing arts, uh, perfection doesn't exist, but you can always strive to get closer and closer, you know. Nobody has mastered it yet. Most people don't know this, but uh, ballet dancers don't really talk a lot. <laughs> Whenever somebody applauds one of my students, I know they're applauding a little bit for me too. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by Harlequin Floors, the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Our podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Rob, And my name is Anna Aguilera. Born in Jacksonville, Florida, Tim began his classical ballet training at the age of 12 with former Cuban ballerina Dulce Anaya. He graduated high school at the Harriet Conservatory, a Russian ballet school in the United States in 2005. After graduation, he was invited to join the Houston Ballet. In 2007, he joined the Go Ballet in Vancouver, British Columbia, where he performed several roles in various ballets such as The Nutcracker, Le Corsair, Napoli, and Don Quixote. It was in 2008 that he decided to settle in Montreal to join the Ballet Edith Saint de Montréal as a principal dancer of the company. In 2010, Tim won the gold medal at the International Ballet Competition held in Sibiu, Romania, for Best Couple with his partner Clara Houdet. At the same time, he added to his credit several performances of the repertoire of Mr. Eddie Toussaint, such as Un Simple Moment, Souvenance, Bonjour pour elle, et l'irréparable Saint-Georges, winner of the prize of the president during the competition in Sibiu. Sometime later, he became the ballet master for the professional company as well as the École de Danse Eddie Toussaint, and he is now the artistic director of the company. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> You have a very intimidating uh, resume there, Timothy. I mean, where do we start? <laughs> I'd love to you to tell us how you grew up and got into ballet. You know, you started dancing at 12, but how did that happen? Well, you know, it's, um, it's kind of just like a coincidence and kind of a spur of the spur of the moment, the way it took uh, place. Actually, my mother is a... Uh, was a single parent, and uh, she was the parent of uh, three children. And it was just uh, by chance that uh, I went to uh, a school that they had different divisions of, of performing arts. And when we were in uh, elementary school, my brother and sister and myself, we all did different art forms. We had like little little lessons of uh, instrumental music, vocal music, visual art, dance many types and uh, after that uh, you know as uh, happens in the united states you have uh, elementary school middle school and then high school well when we got into middle school uh, you had to choose of one of those uh, disciplines and you know being uh, the kind of low maintenance person uh, that i think i still am today i like to always find the the solution uh, to something but uh, to make a life a little bit easier for myself and easier for others but getting back to that i decided to do the one that uh, didn't require any paper homework <laughs> and that was in dance and you know, i don't think the passion was uh, there right away i think it was just something uh, that i was looking for myself i had played uh, sports like baseball and basketball and uh, I, I can't say that I was going to be 
number one on the team. I, I think I got benched a, a whole lot. So uh, I think I was searching a little bit for identity. And, you know, when you're a boy in ballet and you're, you're growing up, uh, you don't really have much competition. And sometimes you might be the only boy uh, in the group or in the school. Wasn't always the case, but, you know, when that's the scenario, sometimes you're center stage uh, just because you're a boy. So, you know, already you had some value. And I think after that, maybe throughout the years, uh, the passion grew. I was also kind of a little bit lucky to have an uncle who is actually a professional pianist, and uh, he plays for churches. He plays for ballet lessons, too. And that was just a coincidence that my first uh, real intensive workshop uh, that took place over the summers was at a ballet school that he had uh, played the piano for. And that's really just a small world coincidence that's orchestrated by the divine. So, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I would say that um, growing up doing ballet, it's kind of atypical a little bit of my story because I think a little bit uh, for people boys doing ballet in North America, they may have grown up with a lot of ridicule in the sense uh, because they may uh, feel that it's a feminine art form, uh, which actually ballet was uh, started by men and was only danced by men uh, for a long time until uh, much like theater until women had uh, equal rights. And then now it, it had taken a little bit of a turn towards a feminine art form Uh, But I would say that I was quite lucky because I had always grown around other artists. So even when I was at a performing arts school, uh, you had many people who were in the performing arts. uh, So I I was around instrumentalists. I was around thespians. I was around vocal singers, uh, visual artists, uh, cinematographers. And I think everybody in that domain of uh, performing arts or the fine arts kind of treated me a little bit as an equal. I wouldn't say that this is always the case uh, with uh, many other boys who grow up doing ballet. I think they may have had a harder time than I did, but uh, it was a it was a fun uh, a fun ride uh, in my youth. Uh, I, I felt like I was really part of something special, something uh, that was maybe a sport in itself, and I think it is a sport in itself. And I think it's changing over the years right now uh, that uh, ballet is becoming a little bit more for boys as well i think uh, the fact that you have these shows on tv like so you think you can dance and uh, uh, we have something in quebec called revolution dance and that's also something that you see a lot more people uh, going into the domain of dance and you see more parents uh, being more comprehensive of it as well so what was the point and when you realized okay i can make a career out of this I would say uh, the point is when I thought I could make a career, I was probably 15 or 16, and I just developed myself so much because I always wanted to uh, work for perfection. And the fact that I wanted to be the best I could be, and I figured that uh, this was going to be something that I wanted to do, just to be on stage. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, the passion wasn't always there in the beginning. Uh, I was just uh, kind of trying to find myself. But then I really liked uh, having the time on stage. I really liked uh, working with uh, teachers and coaches and uh, and other dancers, uh, men and women. And uh, it's always uh, been uh, a part of me since I was uh, being a young adolescent. And I think that when I saw other male dancers who 
or maybe my uh, my idols at the at that point. There were people, Cuban stars. There were Russian stars. There were uh, American stars and English stars. And when I saw them on stage, and you know, when you hear the people just applaud after they do a solo or they do a pas de deux, a partnering work, you know, a great moment for them that uh, the the crowd stands up and people just uh, go nuts and it kind of felt a little bit like maybe what somebody feels like when they just scored a touchdown at the Super Bowl. So I felt that a little bit inside. Maybe the first time it happened, I said, yes, uh, I want to do this. (laughs) That's kind of a cool story. It's also good to know that there was not a lot of social pressure in the gender role thing situation. No, that's, that's right. Yeah. It's, um, it was pretty atypical. I mean, there's, uh, you have people, I guess in all art forms now, but I think a lot in ballet, people just uh, see it that way, that uh, gender roles in, in the domain of ballet, it's uh, it's not really for the heterosexual man, but uh, actually we're seeing that really turn around over the decades. Now, the ratios between people's orientations, uh, men and women, uh, you start to see different uh, gender roles, ident- identities. You even see this in repertory where you have not just uh, a man and a woman dancing together. You may have a man and a man, a woman and a woman. Sometimes this uh, relationship that you would see them on stage, you may want to beg the question, are they brothers? Are they friends? Are they more? Are they? <laughs> or sometimes it'll be for the women a little bit the same scenario. Uh, but. I think it's really integrating in the into more open uh, direction, and I think that's what's inviting more people into the uh, the domain of dance too. So you see that as part of the evolution over recent years, and is there anything else that sort of evolved with the discipline of ballet over recent years with regards to you know who's involved, how it's performed, how it's perceived? For sure, portrayals, uh, interpretations. I think every generation has built upon the upon the next one we were much better dancers today than uh, we're in the 1970s 80s 90s and 2000s uh, i have to say the younger generations are doing stuff that uh, we weren't doing at that time steps that didn't exist and i don't think that uh, you know you may have some teachers that i have met over the years and they may have said uh, that well it was better in my day and i, I don't agree with that at all Right now, we have better uh, better dancers who are better than maybe famous people who were very famous back in the time, Rudolf Nureyev and Mikhail Brzeznikov. We have many more dancers like that today and a lot better. So uh, not only with the, the technique, you also have more creativity uh, going on. Many people are now becoming creative in choreography themselves. Uh, you also have a lot more people who are taking up direction a little bit like myself. I was appointed to be artistic director uh, just this past October, and it was um, a little bit nervous. It happened uh, in, a, in a gala benefit, uh, and it was at the end of the event that, uh, that I was uh, named artistic director. You know, when people do this, uh, kind of the, the game changes a little bit, so you start to see a lot more broader uh, aspect of the field. But getting back to... The evolution, I would say that you you have a lot more intelligence and education today than we had based on injury prevention, based on uh, how you execute a step. You know, you can almost 
find little uh, nuances uh, to make a step look a little bit better. And, you know, as we say in probably all the performing arts, uh, perfection doesn't exist, but you can always strive to get closer and closer. You know, nobody has mastered it yet. And uh, even probably the best dancer in the world, they're still fighting and fighting uh, to become better and better and better. That sounds very exciting and promising to for a discipline that it's so old, but also that if you go out in the streets, and as you said, hopefully there is a shift in the perception, but people would say, well, ballet is old school and it's just, you know, pink and tutus and, <laughs> and that's it. If they only knew. <laughs> but either the, also too, I think, you know, ballet is such a great foundation for all other forms of dance, right? And so the, the, the discipline and the technique can be seen if you've trained in ballet, you can see it in people in their other forms of dance too because of the way that they hold themselves. And I think it's such a great foundation for anyone who wants to dance. It's got to be part of their training. It's, it is the, the basis of all forms of dance ballet. Uh, and you, you see this uh, not just in dance. Uh, and what I mean by that is um, uh, you have this as a use of therapy. People are now using ballet as therapy for injury prevention, uh, basically just getting into workout to to become fit i even know there is a uh, there's a military unit in in asia that uh, soldiers are now doing ballet to become more agile but i, I think that ballet uh, in itself uh, whether you know you're in a career to become a dancer like i have or you are just wanting to uh, do something uh, masterful and uh, and having a hard discipline it gives you a discipline for life Usually we see people who have done ballet and they work hard and they know the value of hard work and the satisfaction that it brings and transforming one's body and developing different uh, neural connections between hand, foot, eyes, uh, head, uh, you know, how you, how you hold yourself. This is also demonstrated as well and it's reflected in the domain that they want to do because I often see that uh, people who do ballet are just high performers in, in all aspects, whether... Uh, I have a few colleagues who are international stars today. I have other classmates who I graduated with who are directors like myself uh, and dance. I have other people who were my classmates and they just uh, decided to retire from dancing and follow something else like the field of medicine and, and law. And uh, the fact that they're doing that, uh, I, I see them because now you we have this wonderful tool called Facebook where you can always follow people and where they are and I know that the people who were, were my classmates and doing ballet, they're succeeding in all the aspects of life because it gave them a discipline and a foundation uh, early on in their life that uh, they can obviously reflect it uh, anywhere. Hmm. That's very interesting. You also have a degree in uh, business administration, right? And so you can, I imagine you can see the difference between people who took one or the other path. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the business degree, I, I was uh, thinking about uh, doing a long career in ballet and not doing uh, college because most of the time we have uh, people who want to be dancers. They don't go to uh, university or college. The reason I did it uh, was because I was kind of like... Uh, didn't want to wait out a window that was open. I had a window of opportunity where me being a Florida resident back in the day, uh, I was in Quebec already, but I was still uh, not a, a permanent resident of Canada yet. 
And uh, I had a, a scholarship that was based uh, of me being a Florida resident, and it was going to expire if I didn't act fast enough. So in 2009 or 2010, I, I started to follow this um, program for a bachelor in business. And it basically was something that I figured that I could do it. And any skills that I I take from this uh, degree or this uh, program was going to be skills that could be transferred into any industry. And I was lucky enough to be able to do it uh, at a distance. It was uh, probably maybe the first generation or second generation of online distance learning. And uh, it happened totally online. Uh, you have like these big universities now, like University of Phoenix or uh, Grand Rapids University or Grand Canyon University, I think it's called, that is uh, highly known for its uh, online curriculum. And I was lucky to be able to continue dancing and to follow the uh, program to get a bachelor's degree as well. And for sure, I was uh, put into an administrative position already. I was working in administration in the company uh, a little bit as volunteer work, just based on the uh, the education that I had already. And, uh, you know, I was uh, working hard just to uh, understand all the aspects, you know, the Department of Accounting, the Department of Human Resources, the Department of basic admin, general operations, you know, every, every little uh, aspect of running an enterprise, it, it was kind of evident to me. And I didn't speak a lot of French back then. So most of the uh, legal papers and government papers and business papers were in French. So I had to use Google Translate like crazy <laughs> just to uh, <laughs> find my way through things. And, and that's one of the ways I learned French was basically just by speaking it and uh, reading and Googling things over the course of my task, you know, uh, if I would get a letter in the mail uh, for the company and it was all in French, I was not far away from my computer, but it probably took me about five minutes to read one page where if it was in English, maybe take me uh, less than a minute, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that sort of business degrees sort of paid off even now in your role as artistic director played out in, in that aspect of your career? I think it does. Yes. I think uh, the fact that I understand a little bit about how corporate structure works, a little bit about how we use legal proceedings in business, uh, meaning uh, drafting contracts, uh, how to deal with people, policies on diversity in the workplace. You know, little things that uh, you might uh, always see in a, in a smaller, medium-sized business and obviously in big businesses. These things were probably uh, very foreign to me before uh, the business degree. And I think that me having this degree and a little bit of uh, exposure to all of these little bits and pieces of what makes up a small and medium-sized business, it definitely helped me a little bit in the artistic directorship as well because I started to think a little bit more big picture, not always uh, in real time, where often an artist may always be really present in the moment. So I think that has helped me become a little bit more present and to think also short-term and long-term and uh, you know, developing people skills. I think also that me being a director helped me uh, a little bit with my public speaking skills, uh, because when you're a director, 
Uh, you often have to be in front of the microphone uh, a lot. And most people don't know this, but uh, ballet dancers don't really talk a lot. <laughs> They're on stage. <laughs> so and I think that's maybe another reason why I think I resonated a lot with ballet is because I was pretty much introverted as a child. And, and I think I still am a little bit today uh, introverted. But as time goes by, you know, you, you practice and you, you learn how to deal with people uh, uh, learning how to deal with customer service—that's also uh, a big, a big aspect uh, of being a director, of being a, just a, a worker. You know, you have to learn a little bit about customer service. You need to learn a little bit about how to deal with uh, dancers, uh, how to put up teams, team building, synergy. And I think, I think it all—it's all been a wonderful help. The, the fact that I, I had this, and I, I have no regrets. Uh, and if I had a chance to to go back to get a master's. If ever the occasion opens itself, because obviously when you're an artistic director, well, we think about not just one year, we think about five years down the roads, and we're, we're thinking about this now. So I think if there's a time that uh, if there's ever a window of opportunity, I think I may actually continue. It. But it's definitely been a wonderful benefit to me. So you do an MBA? Is that what you're interested in? Yeah, that's, that's probably where I'm going to go towards yeah an nba but um there's no rush <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah. so it's good to keep that learning bug there that's right and now a moment for our sponsor the theater art life podcast is proud to be sponsored by harlequin harlequin is the world leader in floors stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. So how would you describe the path of a dancer going from a, I guess, a ballet student to an artistic director of a ballet company. What skills? How does it evolve? Wow. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, there's a certain hierarchy that uh, that does exist in, in ballet companies and in schools. So, you know, when you leave from being a student, obviously what's the first thing a, a ballet student wants to do after they graduate from the ballet school? They want to get a job somewhere. And sometimes you're given a, a position of really entry level and maybe where you were in the ballet school, you may have been center stage. And then once you get into a professional company, you may be cast aside and put in the background of the court of ballet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's got to rise through the ranks a little bit. And I, there was a one uh, funny story uh, that I had when I was in Houston Valley, I was very young and I was new. And then we had a chance to, take class with the, the principal dancers and the soloists and the, uh, and the other members of the corps de ballet. And I was new. And uh, what I didn't know is that, uh, you know, when you stand at the ballet bar, when we do our, our warm up class and the coach is there giving ballet class, 
we, we like to get there early enough and find our spot at the bar and uh, do a little warm up. But what I didn't know at that time, it was uh, kind of funny is that the principal dancers and the soloists have first pickings at their spot. And sometimes they'll just give you this look saying, uh, you're in my spot. Uh, you can't stand there. And I, I probably did this about two times during that day, just trying to find a place. Cause there's a lot of people. It's a pretty big room, maybe about 60 people in there. And finally, I was just uh, standing and looking right and left and thinking, where am I going to stand? And then I asked somebody, where should I stand? And he says, I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> and so you know, I think that built a little bit of humility in me. You know, if you want to be uh, in the front or if you want to be at the top, uh, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes the time. It takes the hours. It takes uh, not just working hard, but working smart. And uh, I think maybe one of my strongest assets to me was uh, the fact that I learned uh, choreography and repertory pretty easily. And I was pretty good to replace people. I was always maybe the person on call. If somebody got injured, somebody got sick, uh, a lot of people looked at me saying, Tim can step in. (laughs) Tim can do it. And I think that was probably a really valued asset that I that I had uh, at the time to to move up in the ranks going to uh, artistic directorship I think uh, it's just the fact that uh, to take a little bit of interest and to contribute and that's also the fact because you don't always see dancers becoming artistic directors some dancers just want to dance but if it interests the person they want to uh, really be in the domain they have to take take a mentorship and that's what I found with uh, Mr. Eddie Toussaint who was the founder of the company and uh, he's been a mentor of mine for a long time and a lot about uh, working with dancers a lot about uh, reaching out to people reaching out to sponsors uh, financing a a project financing an event and the fact that uh, the business degree and the logistics uh, of the company and just kind of running things and seeing this machine working and it's thriving and we're getting new students and we see people who are young who are going into the school and they're graduating from the school it's kind of nostalgic for me because i feel like uh, i see a little bit of me in them or you know these are my students too so and now they're ready for something else now they're ready for something more professional more advanced and uh, it's kind of gratifying when you see the fruit of your work, not just the applause on stage, but when you see that you have products too and that you, your students or your colleagues are getting applause because of the work you did in coaching them. Uh, you know, whenever somebody applauds one of my students, I know they're, they're applauding a little bit for me too. <laughs> That's amazing. So how did you end up at uh, Eddie Toussaint's? How did the pathway to ending up there? You were a ballet master there, right? And then moved into artistic direction yeah he actually recruited me as a as a dancer first Uh, so i was uh dancing and i met uh, eddie toussaint in florida when i was uh going to school in florida he was uh, somebody who actually started the sarasota ballet of florida that's a company still going today it's uh, probably celebrating its uh, 30th anniversary i I think Uh, but he was also um a member of the art council in the city of Houston. So when I was in Houston Valley, he was there as well. And he basically uh, was uh, somebody who already has a 
a big uh, international career uh, for himself. He's won numerous gold medals for his choreographies that he's done in international ballet competitions. One of them is uh, one of the competitions I was at uh, in uh, Romania. And I think that he was just uh, somebody who knew the domain a lot and who had the uh, the know-how and, and the contacts and the, the fact that uh, he knew the aspects of choreography. And I wanted to not only be his protege in terms of being a, a better dancer, but also being a coach. And I, I think he had these intentions for me to be the, the artistic director as well. Recently, I didn't know this was going to happen until maybe a year ago. <laughs> uh, maybe a year ago, and he said, I said, we're getting up uh, to uh, to our big season right now. It's a, it's a big anniversary for you. And he says, yes, but I think uh, I'm going to throw in the towel. <laughs> He's going to uh, step aside, and he says, I think uh, I'm going to be looking for somebody to take the place of artistic directorship. And he said, you know who would be a good candidate? Uh, I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> he said, probably you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you didn't I put started, your hand up. <laughs> yeah, I really put my hand up and I said, really? Okay, well, uh, and I think uh, before that, he was probably grooming me for the, for the role of artistic director anyway. He uh, started uh, the company well it was a company that had already existed in the 1980s and was very popular toured uh, all over the world and then he just uh, re-erected it in uh, in 2009 uh, so it was a little bit smaller before with a company of about uh, about 50 dancers and then now we're about uh, 10 to 12 it's a little bit smaller but we do a lot of big uh, projects we do uh, things internationally too and we uh, we do a lot of things for the community of Quebec as well. And I think that uh, he's, he's really done a lot for Canada. And I, I find myself blessed to have him as a mentor. And uh, I, I think uh, that I'm kind of blessed also to, to have had a lot of masters uh, in my life. Uh, a lot of the teachers I've had have been grade A top teachers in, in the Russian Valley schools and the Cuban schools and in the Chinese schools. So I, I was really lucky, uh, I would say, to have gone through uh, this path and meeting these uh, wonderful people along the way. It's interesting how important uh, the mentorship becomes. And I think in ballet, something that's very, very clear. Uh, I mean, the competition is, is fierce, but at the same time, you do pass from one to the other, the skills and the trade. Yeah, that's right. And I think that... Um, one has to become a teacher already because the career of a dancer, it's very short. It's, it's not the same as an instrumental musician or maybe a vocalist or, or a visual artist who could probably go up and pass their uh, 40s and 50s. I would say that after the age of 45, normally uh, most uh, professional dancers kind of throw in the towel. And they may continue to stay in the domain of ballet uh, as a teacher, as a coach. Others do many different things. Uh, I know many other dancers who have just uh, gone on to, to serve in many other ways. But uh, because it's so short and because you know that you're working a little bit for the company, you're not really just working for yourself. And I think that 
when a dancer thinks a little bit more about the bigger picture, not just themselves, the performance is better, the team building is better, the respect between colleague, between student, between uh, teacher and coach, it's a, it's a lot more healthy. Uh, for sure, competition uh, it does exist. We don't have a lot of issues of unhealthy competition. I think that, uh, at, at least here and then, and many of the companies that I've been and schools that I've been, we don't have a lot of unhealthy competition. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but uh, I think the fact that when you want to be in the center stage, you do think about yourself and maybe not the other person, but you know that person may have a talent that you don't have. And, you know, you probably want to humble yourself and ask them, how do you do this thing? How do you, uh, how can you do these turns uh, so easily? Can you help me with this? And then, you know, when there's that exchange, it fosters a, a family environment and it fosters a, uh, uh, an aspect where people respect you more. And it's not always uh, what the person you're speaking to sees your humility, but everybody else can see it too, you know. They're going to see not everything. Uh, how do I phrase this? They're going to not always see the things that you say, but they're going to watch the things that you do. And uh, when they see you trying to uh, do things that not other people mostly would do, they start to respect you for this. And this was something that I had a hard time, which is in my youth, was to ask for help. Uh, I always thought I was Superman and could do it. Uh, all by myself, but no, you you know, we're only human, and we're we're trying to uh, to use the gifts that we have, and then try to learn from others as well. I think that's a wonderful philosophy, and like you said, it it, it all stems from this wonderful discipline of ballet, and that that whole dedication and and service to the arts. It's wonderful. But uh, I think also the fact that uh, there are many. Many possibilities when you're you're young in ballet. I think the aspect of being on stage. Uh, I think one of the the wonderful highlights of my career was when I was actually at the uh, international ballet competition in Romania. And where when you're there, you feel like you're at the Olympics because in a way you are. <laughs> you are at the Olympics. There's people from many other countries there, and now now that uh, we get to the aspect of real fierce competition uh, there because you're you're not there to make friends. And I think Eddie Toussaint was uh, our coach uh, when I went there with uh, Clara Boudet, who was uh, from France, who was from the Paris Opera School. And he was a pretty fierce coach at that event because he said to us, uh, you know, you two are here to compete. So once you do the uh, first showcase and then you do round one, if you pass round one, good, go to sleep. Don't go don't go out and uh, have fun and party or visit. We didn't have any visiting time. This was, uh, I, I think it was one of the downsides of being in competition, but uh, Mr. Toussaint knew what he was doing. <laughs> so he said, we, we got past round one. Okay. Go to the hotel, relax, get yourself ready for tomorrow. And then round two. No happened. fun for you. <laughs> there was no <laughs> And then uh, after that, uh, round two went by and then, it was the same situation. And then round three came along and there's only three rounds. So after round three, it came to the, to the point where now they're going to uh, pass out the awards after round three. So we didn't know what was going to happen. And then uh, we just realized that, uh, oh my goodness, I got an award. (laughs) 
But I, I think it was something I probably would have wanted to do a little bit more, but I understand why it had to be done, why I had to make that sacrifice. But it was a quite a, a fun event. Uh, you know, when you go there and you just, you see the talent that comes from these other countries, uh, especially uh, the Asian countries and the Eastern European countries, it was very strong. And I was a little bit intimidated. I didn't know how how well I was going to do. And, you know, after a while, when you go on stage uh, for a performance, not a competition, the pressure, it leaves you a little bit. You get in the habit of going on stage. Probably for somebody who goes on stage for the first time, they're a little bit nervous. They have stage fright, which is probably typical for the young student. But when you have many experiences on stage already it's kind of like second nature but the competition was not second nature i was a little bit nervous but uh, i just knew that i i gotta go out there and do what i gotta do and then uh, i'm not gonna really worry about other people if i'm concentrating on other people i'm not concentrating on the things i have to do and so that's that's just what we did and uh, we came back uh, as a team with a lot of gold medals uh, i got me and my partner, we had gold medals for each of us for best couple. Uh, she also won uh, Clara Houdet uh, best female in senior category. So there was a gold medal for that. And then Mr. Toussaint himself uh, won a gold medal for his choreography that we performed in round two. And so uh, as a team, I think we kind of busted the bank, I guess. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's like an amazing memory to cherish and, and keep there. Oh, yes. I, I was... I was pretty proud of it. Uh, and I think, well, now I'm a little bit too old to be going into competitions. Normally that's uh, for people who are between the age of 18 and 25. And then I was like right at the cusp there. So I was getting too old anyways, but I figured, you know, you might as well do it. if the, It's either now or never. So we went there and uh, it was a real pleasant surprise. <laughs> that's amazing. So we, we always ask our podcast guests uh, these last few two questions. So I'm going to start with the first one. And it, what is the most favorite thing about your job that you that you love? Oh, well, I have a few jobs. So, I mean, uh, as a teacher, as a dancer, and as a director, I, I guess I'll maybe answer all three with three of each. <laughs> I think uh, as a dancer, it's really just doing uh, the roles uh, the roles that I have fun doing, you know, when we get to do these uh, fun ballets like Don Quixote or La Baia there, the roles that I, I have fun with, and it's very athletic. Uh, I feel like, you know, when I'm on stage, I feel I'm a lot younger. I'm, I'm pretty old now, but I feel a lot younger. I feel like a teenager again. So, <laughs> you know, it was a lot easier when I was a teenager to do some of the things I'm doing now, but it was easier then. <laughs> For for a teacher, I think that my favorite thing is just to see my students winning. They're getting the awards. Uh, they're passing the uh, ballet exams, and uh, and then they're just moving up. It's 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 almost like a parent seeing their own child grow up. And then uh, as a director, I would say it's it's also seeing the uh, the expansion of the company. It's also me seeing that I'm, I'm helping other people to provide a service and a, a sense of culture to the community. So, and, uh, you know, you know, just putting aside that I'm the director, it's, uh, it's not really something personal. It's, it's really what I think that I can do at this position. So it's not really the name or the post. Uh, it's really, well, what can I contribute and what can I produce here? So that's, 
that's really the fun part. When you get to see the results of your hard efforts, that's that's really the the thing that I think everybody enjoys. And if you could change anything about either your job or how the industry or how the ballet world works, uh, what would you change? If I could change anything, I think I would change the 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 fact that I think there's a lot of conformity in some companies around the world. Uh, I'll give you an example. In many uh, European countries, you have a company that's uh, mainly tall people. Like if you're not a certain height, and you could be one of the best uh, athletes and dancers in the world, and if you don't conform to their height requirements, you're you're out. <laughs> uh, but I think there are there are also companies that is mainly short people, uh, and so you know you kind of work with those, but. I really like the the companies that give a certain diversity to people in terms of height requirements, in terms of body shape, in terms uh, when I say body shape, there are standards like uh, you need to have a certain physique, like and a certain uh, athleticism. I mean, we cannot just let uh, anybody uh, go go into the uh, to the art form like that. But I think uh, it should be about the talent that people have, and not just. Uh, how they were born. Like if somebody was born short, they, they missed out on opportunity. Maybe in certain companies doesn't work for them, but it probably uh, will work for them in other companies. And I think that just if they have these open windows of opportunities where they can thrive as a dancer, I think that would really help out people a lot more. And I think the fact that also if people really knew what ballet is really like, and maybe don't just see it uh, in terms of pink tutus and, uh, And, and women uh, dancing with their arms in the air and on the toes. I think if people understood a little bit more of what the male ballet dancer does, I, I think you'll see more people being open to it. You'll see a lot more uh, men in ballet, a lot more women in ballet too, probably just because of that. Uh, and I think that a lot of people will just be a lot more happy. Uh, families would be happier People would foster more friendships together. And I think that it's just uh, learning a little bit about what it is just to be educated on it. And if we could get the word out a little bit more, I think that would really uh, enlighten people. That's wonderful. Timothy, thank you so much for your time with Theatre Art Life today. We really appreciate you coming to speak with us. And I've so enjoyed hearing about your life and your career. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It uh, was a really fun uh, conversation with you too. I loved it. Theatre Art Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only $38 US per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theatreartlife.com.